What is up, beautiful people? Thank you for joining me today. My name is Dr. Tom LaHue. Welcome to my channel. We talk about all kinds of things related to the Enneagram so we can understand ourselves better, why we are the way we are, and uh, what we can do to uh, move forward and to love the people in our life better. So help us to be more gentle with ourselves, more compassionate with ourselves, more compassionate with others. Uh, today we're going to be talking about type 1. We're going to be going through a checklist given to us by Beatrice Chestnut in her new book, The Enneagram Guide to Waking Up. Super book, you need to order it. It's good stuff. Okay, before we get started, in the description below is a link to my website, tomlehue.com. You can book coaching appointments. They're probably a couple of weeks out right now. But I'd love to hear from you if you want to get together and talk about your type how to be a healthier you, how to get along better with the people you're you're in relationship with. Also, there is information about certificate programs. If you want to become an Enneagram coach or you want to know how do I do what I do, um, I'd love to share that information with you um, or the relationship coaching or the Christian life coaching. All that information is on my website. Uh, also, right now, at the time of making this video, um, my daughter, Madison, who has Down syndrome, she is the CEO of her own company. She makes calendars. And so the calendar is available on my website. If you go to the store, you can see the 2022, uh, the year 2022 calendar is available. You can order that. We'll ship it to you. And it'll make her really happy because she's the CEO of her own company. Okay. All right. So let's uh, get started today talking about type one. And let's go through the checklist that is provided in this book. And we'll kind of, you know, hit some highlights. Yes, I do read. I do prepare. I do study. Uh, seven has a strong line to five. And also, I think I have a pretty strong line to one. I am, by the way, the counter seven, the social seven, which tends to push back against all my sevenness to be responsible and do the right thing for the group that I associate with. Family work, all those other things. So uh, I love type ones. I want to start by saying that to all of you guys that are type ones. I have all kinds of respect for you. I wish in many ways I was more like a type one. I feel that tension on that line like, oh, I need to do the right thing. I need to hear that inner parental voice in my head and be responsible. I grew up with a brother who, my older brother is a type one wing nine. And so I spent a lot of time, uh, you know, interacting with oneness energy. In my current family right now, we don't have any ones. Um, we have, I think, every other type, but uh, not ones. And so don't have any ones in my, uh, in my immediate family uh, at this point in time. But uh, you never know, that might change. You're always adding into your family. So let's go through this and go through this checklist. And before we do, you know, one of the things that uh, Chestnut does in this book, which this book is great and her other two books are great as well. Um, Nine Types of Leadership, fantastic book. And The Complete Enneagram by Chestnut, fantastic book. Both of those are awesome. So super, super stuff. At the beginning of the, each chapter, she kind of goes in through like a little bit of story of what it must have been like growing up as a type one. And it's pretty sad. Um, being a seven myself, uh, a lot of ones, you know, identify that when they were children, they were much more seven-like, much more playful, much more fun-loving, much more easygoing, 
um, kind of wanting to go out into the world and experience all of the sunshine and goodness. But then something happened along the way and uh, they started like internalizing the criticisms of others. And in order to avoid all of that criticism, they began becoming very harsh and critical with themselves, um, trying to be good, trying to do the right thing. Um, they began monitoring themselves very closely and, you know, disconnecting from their own emotions and disconnecting from their own sense of fluid playfulness. Um, you know, I think, let's just say it this way. A seven might lean over to the one and say, are you doing what makes you happy? Why would you not do what makes you happy? Why don't you go after what makes you happy? And I think probably ones can remember a time in their life when they were little and they were much happier and much more focused on trying to be happy. Not just do the right thing and be responsible and be a good person and show up on time and leave things better, you know. But like when they were little, maybe they were just a little more concerned with this is fun. I want to do things that are fun. I want to play. I want to be more lighthearted. But as they grew up, you know, they became much more of an adult and more adult-like in their thinking. And we appreciate that. I mean, that's one of the reasons we love you guys so much is we know we can hand you the keys and you're going to lock up and you're going to put things right and leave things better than you found them. And so you add a ton of value to whatever organizations you belong to. You add a ton of value. It's just sometimes it can be a little hard to relate to you because you can be quite harsh and judgmental and critical of yourself, but critical with us too. And it's hard for us to be able to tell you that because it upsets you. It, it makes you more angry, and I know you don't want to be angry. I know you don't like that your sin is anger, um, but we don't want to make you angrier, and we don't want to upset you. And, you know, as much as you try to suppress this anger, it does kind of leak out in your irritability. We can see that you're stressed. We can see that you're frustrated with us. We can see that you're grumpy or agitated. I can remember my brother, um, you know, I remember when he had a car, his first car, and it was a big old piece of junk, you know, I mean, it was a giant Buick uh, LeSabre, I think it was, big giant green car, um, you know, very cool now, I mean, it'd be awesome to have it now and, you know, take it to a body shop and get it redone, but, you know, in the 80s, it was just an old car, it was an old 70s car, and he was working on putting a new radio in it because that's the most important thing, uh, to have a good radio. At some point, though, that changes in your life. When you're young, you want to have a great radio in your car. When you're older, you want to have a handicap sticker so I can get a good parking spot. At some point, you know when you're over the hill, right, when your goal is, I need a good parking spot. I always think it's funny when people fight over the closest parking spots to the gym, I'm always like, help me understand that, you know, you want a good parking spot so that you can go walk on a treadmill. Okay, all right, just help me understand. I'm trying to understand. Okay, so my brother's out there. His name, by the way, is Chester. Um, I'm glad I was born second um, because I got the name Tom instead of Chester. Well, Chester was, you know, working on putting a new radio in his car and... Um, 
It's hot. It's Florida. He's sweating. Guess what kind of attitude Chester is in? You know, when things aren't going quite right and you, you, you plug all the wires in and, oh, it's still not working exactly right. Well, he's getting irritated. He's getting agitated. He's getting frustrated. You know, that kind of stuff, which I always thought was humorous. And um, I felt like I should go out there and, um, you know, observe that and, you know, <laughs> try to bring a little lighthearted humor, which only seemed to agitate him further. My dad, who is a five wing six, who's also named Chester, it's a big name in our family, um, you know, would come out in his five, six way uh, and say, Things helpful things like, what are you doing? Uh, do you have instructions? Uh, do you even know what you're doing? Um, are, are you sure that wire is supposed to be plugged in there? To which my brother would turn around and just, you know, that look. You guys that live with ones, you know that look I'm talking about. Like that, you know, fire could come out of their eyes and scorch the hair off your head, you know, that kind of look. Um, I guess growing up with a one, you know, and seeing him become an adult, I just kind of learned that that look is not going to kill me. When you see a one, and I had no idea at the time that my brother's a one and I'm a seven, I just knew, you know, he got frustrated with things easily. And it, it, it was obvious, and I usually made lighthearted jokes about it, which were definitely not appreciated. But I tried to lighten the mood and ease the tension. I have a very strong six wing, and so it feels very anxious when people are getting upset, and my sevenness just wants to like resolve that with creating humor. Anyway... I just kind of grew up knowing like his his angry face isn't going to hurt me. And I think when um and it's just him. It's his problem, not mine. And I think if you live with a one, it could be helpful for you to realize with a little bit of compassion that like they're struggling with anger. I mean, instead of, "Oh my goodness, they're angry at me and I don't know what to do. I can't live with this." Um instead of me panicking, it would be better if I approached it like, "Wow, it must be terrible." to have that angry face inside your head all the time. And sometimes I can see that angry face on the outside, but he sees it all the time. That must be an awful way to have to exist in this life. Helps me have more compassion for my brother and helps me have more compassion for ones. Um, like I said, I do have a lot of affection for ones. My wife and I are watching the show Blue Bloods right now with Tom Selleck and Donnie... Um, Wahlburger, Wahlberg, Wahlberg, Wahlberger, that's the restaurant, Wahlberg, and um, you know, that show is, if you haven't watched it and you're a one or an eight or a nine, that would be a great show for you to watch, it is on Amazon Prime, uh, but you know, Tom Selleck, his character is a one, a good, solid, strong one, a great example of the best of oneness. His daughter in that show is also a one. So you have two ones in that show. And then Danny, Donnie Wahlberger, and Grandpa on the show are both eights. And so you've got this two eights and two ones in the family. And there are two nines, 
Danny's wife and uh, their brother, I forget his name. He's a nine. Isn't that sad when you forget the nines? Poor nines, we love you, but I can't remember his name. Anyway, so it's a great show of watching ones, eights, and nines, all the anger groups. If you're in that anger, you know, triad up there, Blue Bloods might be a great show for you to observe yourself or how you're being perceived by others. Okay, and in that show, every night when I watch, every night that we get to watch that show, I'll, at some point, watching the ones in that show, say to myself, man, I wish I was more like that. I wish I could be more like that. That's, and there's probably ones looking at sevens, like Robin Williams, and thinking, I wish I could just let go and be a goofball like that. Well, know that there are some sevens looking over at ones saying, I need to be a better person like that. I need to be more responsible. I need to be more, you know, practical. I need to be more driven by values and not by whatever gluttonous whims come at me that day. All right. Well, I'm getting way deep into the weeds here. I should probably come back to uh, the checklist. All right. Um, If you're new to my channel, this is kind of the way things work. We do get through the information It's just sometimes, you know, it takes a while. Um, All right, so let's talk about uh, the checklist. Here's the list provided for us in the book. You might be a one. We should do it that way. Like, you might be a redneck, okay? If you ever, if you ever, you might be a one. Okay. Um, Number one, and I'm not going to number all these like I just did because they're just check marks and they're not listed as numbers, so I'll mess the numbers up. And that will bother all the ones. Um, I remember when I first started this channel, one of the first videos I made was about type ones. And uh, at that time, this curtain was brand new, so it still was all wrinkly. I mean, it's still pretty bad, right? I mean, it's not perfect, but it was pretty wrinkly. By the way, out there, well, there's blinds, but out those blinds is Florida. And it's lots of tropical plants back there. But anyway... um, so I remember some ones commenting in the video, like, I can't stand all of the creases in your, whatever that's called, curtain. Please iron your curtain. I never did. I figured eventually it'll just, the weight of it will just cause it to straighten out. But that's oneness right there. Just iron your curtain. Is it so hard to just do the right thing? Be responsible. Okay. All right. So here we go. First one, you have a harsh inner critic. I know you've already heard this. This is old news um, that monitors what you do and operates most of the time. You are sensitive to criticism for others from others. So, inner critical of yourself. This could show up in a lot of different ways. Like, uh, don't laugh. That's foolish. You're going to look like a fool if you laugh right now. Don't laugh about that. Uh, Don't say that. Don't say that out loud. You're going to hurt their feelings. Oh, I should go over and I should help my neighbor. He's he's just come home from the hospital and I should go over there and I should help my neighbor. Um, I'm out there cutting my own grass. I need to go over and cut cut their grass too. Harsh inner critic and um, sensitive to the criticisms of others. You know, other people can be quite critical. Not Ones aren't the only critics out there. All of us can be quite critical when we see things that could be done better. Uh, eights could be quite harsh, you know, in, in their approach. Um, 
Sevens could be critical. Sixes, fours. I mean, a lot of us could be critical. That's going to resound in the ear of a one. The slightest little implication that they could have done better is going to rebound and echo, like an echo chamber. I could have done better. I should have done better. I remember seeing it on my brother's face. Um, You know, like I could say to him, um, uh, when I visit his home, he lives out on a farm in Kentucky. When I visit his home and I say, um, you know, uh, hey, have you ever uh, gotten around to uh, finishing out your basement yet? Seems like a harmless question, right? I'm just trying to move the conversation along. And I'm just interested in, you know, his basement. Because, I don't know, what else is there to talk about? And I can see him... No, I haven't gotten around to it yet. No, because we got to run, run, run with all the kids in their homeschool activities. We ain't got no time. That's how he talks because he's from Kentucky. We ain't got no time to just stay and do what needs to be done. And I can just see, I can see it in his, the stress. And if you're a one, you may not realize how much stress you're carrying around in your body. I mean, I can just ask him a simple question. Hey, did you, have you ever gotten around to, I know you were talking about finishing out your basement. Have you ever gotten around to finishing out your basement? And then I'll see him answer. It's like he's taking this breath where he's hearing this rebuke. I don't know what he's hearing, but you can just see the weight of it on his face, you know. <sighs> no. No, because we we can't ever spend a weekend at home because we got to run, run, run with all the kids. And it's like if you were to ask him, like, do you enjoy taking your kids on all these homeschool things? Sure, he does. But it's like everything is going to be phrased in that I've not been responsible. I've not done what I should be doing. I still have this unfinished basement. And the fact that it's not done... It's like, oh my goodness, that's got to be like awful to live in there. Um, So I do have a lot of compassion for you guys as ones. Um, You're hard on yourself. Harsh, harsh inner critic. Harsh. Okay, so what's the opposite of harsh? Like easy, easygoing. Uh, fluid, kind. Wow. Look at what your other wing is there. Look at one of your wings is number two. Can you see that? Kind. Kind. Look at nine. Gentle. Your other wing, gentle. Look at one. Harsh. Harsh. Can you see that your wings, they can help provide you with some stabilizers to like lean into some kindness with yourself. Be kind to yourself. And nine, be gentle with yourself. Be gentle with yourself. Harsh inner critic. I could have done better. I should have got there early. I could have stayed late. I should have put those things away. I should have made that phone call. I should have visited that person in the hospital. I should have. Wow. It's got to be exhausting in there. I would think. Remember when you were a child and you just wanted to be happy? You just wanted to have fun? And you just wanted to play? 
You used to move toward things that made you happy, not just move toward things that make you good, make you right, make you productive, make you useful. Again, we applaud all of that, but at what expense to your to your physical health? Just your physical health, not to mention your emotional health, but you've probably already shut that down too. You know how I know that? Because you have a line to four. Think about that. Fours very much want to understand their own emotions. They want to understand their own unique identity. They want to understand what they're feeling and why they're feeling and what does it mean. And because you have a line to that, it helps me see that that's a blind spot for you as a one is you don't want to spend a lot of time in your emotions in how you feel. It's like, no, we don't have time to think about how we feel about things. We just need to get stuff going. We need to get this job done. Do you know yourself? I know you move toward what's right, but do you ever move toward what you love, what you care about, what's important to you? If you weren't doing the right thing, what would you do? with your time? What would you do with your energy? I think that four's right there to say, do you know yourself? I know that you're moving toward the checklist of doing what's right, but if you weren't doing what's right all the time, what would you do? What would you do with yourself? What would you enjoy? What would you love to do with your day? Not what needs to be done today. There's the one. What needs to be done today? Well, the gutters need to be fixed. The lawn needs to be mowed. The dog needs to be walked. And I'm the only one that's doing it. If you could relax that just a little bit and push back against that impulse and that compulsion, just a tiny bit, just push back a little bit about it. Let's ask the seven question. What would you do today that would just make you happy? The nine question, what do other people want to do? The two question, how could I connect with people today? And the four question, what seems meaningful to me beyond what needs to be done? If I didn't hear the what needs to be done so strongly, what would I be doing if I could do anything today? Mm, it's good stuff. All right. Sensitive to criticism. Yet you're very critical. Stop it. You're the cri- you are critical. You're so critical. I know you don't want to be. It's not good to be. But your eye just moves toward whatever's incorrect. It can be hard to live with you. Okay? We love you. We love you so much. But it can be hard to live with you. Because we can't criticize you. If we begin anything with, hey, this could have been, or what were you thinking, or boom, it's like, wow. The defenses come out because you feel overly criticized. But you overly criticize. You criticize all the time. You're very critical. You're very harsh. We love you. We love you so much. We want to relate to you, okay? We want to be your friend. We want to be your wife, your husband, your your child. But you make it so hard. Because we can't ever measure up. We can't ever, I know you don't feel like you can measure up, but you project that out on us. And it's very hard you know what happens? Let me tell you what happens. People give up. People quit trying because we're not ones. I'm not a one. Okay? So I want to make you happy, 
But if I feel like I can never quite make you happy, I can never quite satisfy you, what do you think is going to happen? I'm going to quit trying. I'm going to say, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I, I get A's. I should get A pluses. You know, I scored the winning touchdown. I should do that every game. Well, I'm done trying. I can't make you happy. I can't please you. It's never enough. So forget it. I don't need... I don't need to be good. I'm not a one. So I'm done trying. And, you know, that's a very dark place when the people in your life just say, I'm done. I can never make mom happy. I can never make dad happy. So I'm not going to live for that anymore. I'm not, I'm not going to aspire to that goal. Look Look at what the problem is we're having with you. We can't make you happy. Look at type 7. Just wants to be happy. Can you start to connect a little more with that line to 7? And make it easier for people to make you happy? We want to make you happy. If you could get to happier a little sooner, it might make it easier for us to relate to you. But happy's not important. It's not. It is. It's one of the Enneagram types. Type 7 is one of the Enneagram types. And the whole personality is designed toward move toward what makes you happy. I know that doesn't seem near as important to you as doing the right thing and being responsible. But I want you to see it's a legitimate one of the nine types. And you have a line to it. Ask yourself, what would make me happy? And try moving that direction, at least sometimes. And that line to four, what is meaningful to me? What do I care about? What's important to me? Try moving that direction, even if it's not the right thing or the responsible thing. Okay. Well, we did number one. Seriously, look, we did number one. Let's see if we can do the next one. You naturally sort perceptions into good or bad. Right or wrong. And you try hard to do the right thing. It may be kind of a surprise to you that others, we may not be as concerned with right or wrong or good or bad. We may just think of it more in terms of like preferences. It might help you a lot if you could start to evaluate, is whatever I'm thinking about right now, whatever I'm upset about, if you said this internally, Is whatever I'm upset about or getting frustrated about, is it an issue of right and wrong? Is it an issue of like sin? Um, Or is this just a preference? Like I prefer the forks to go in the right side of the drawer and you prefer the forks to go in the left side of the drawer. Now, if... Somebody puts the forks in the wrong side of the drawer. Is that right or wrong? Or is it just not the way I prefer it? A lot of what I think irritates us in marriages and in families and at work is not really right and wrong issues. It's just preferences. Like, I don't prefer that. And you might even start to say it that way with people instead of like, hey, you need to stop doing this or this needs to change. You might just say, hey, I would prefer like this. And that 
that might sound a little bit awkward, but it does soften your moral high ground you're on a little bit. It's hard to relate to you if you're on the moral high ground on everything. Like how much is appropriate time to watch television? How much is appropriate, you know, potato chips to eat? And how much is appropriate, uh, you know, what kind of music is appropriate to listen to? It's like, it's hard for me to argue with somebody who is morally superior than me. But it's a lot more likely that I could enter into a discussion with somebody who's just sharing their preferences. Like, I don't prefer this. I prefer, you know, I don't prefer slasher movies. I don't prefer them. I, I they, they kind of make me feel, you know, anxious or, or frustrated. And I don't prefer to watch those. And other people might be able to talk to you if you frame your right and wrongs and shoulds and oughts and musts as preferences instead of the only way. We want to love you. We're trying. Okay? We're trying. All right. Um, you try very hard to do the right thing. And again, we appreciate that. But it also can be difficult for us to watch that. Like when you beat yourself up, you know, you get a B and um, it's not good enough for you. It can be hard for us to see that. We're probably telling you, don't be so hard on yourself. Don't be so hard on yourself. But you may not know how to not be so hard on yourself. Like, what would happen if you weren't so hard on yourself? All right, next. When you look at almost anything, you automatically see how it could be improved. You easily notice errors and want to correct them. And again, this is what makes you a great principal. It's what makes you a great police officer, a great you know, manager at work, a great employee. But it's hard to live with. It could be hard to live with if my husband or my wife or my parent or my brother, you know, if their eye constantly goes to, that stinks, that's dumb, that's lame, that's, it can be hard to live with that. Um, go to a restaurant, go out to a movie, go out to dinner and you have this keen ability to point out everything that could have been done better, could have been service, could have been better. That can be hard, you know, to relate to. Um, you remember you have a nine wing that tries to understand other people's perspectives and that two wing which tries to be nice and compassionate. I always say if you want to know how you're great, ask a two. Oh, you did a great job. You did a fantastic job. We had no idea that you could sing so well. I'm just so proud of you. I just can't believe how, how much you've grown. Okay, if you want to know how you're great, ask a two. If you want to know how you suck, ask a one. And see, there's a balance there, right? At every one of these lines, there's a balance. Something that needs to be balanced. On the one side, let me tell you how you're lame. Let me tell you how you're no good. Let me tell you how this could have been better. Let me tell you what went wrong. Let me tell you how you could improve. And the two, let me tell you how you're great. Let me tell you how you're wonderful. Let me tell you how you did a super job. Let me encourage you. Let me build you up. You look like you're down and you look like you could need, use a little encouragement. And that's where I come in. I come in to be the person to help build you up. And again, if we could just blend this line a little bit better. If twos could be a little more honest, right? A little bit more. And if ones could be a little friendlier and a little kinder in their approach and seek the other person's good. Okay, 
We would all, we would all benefit. We would all be blessed. All right. Easily notice errors and want to correct them. An eye for errors. An eye for this could be better. Next, you follow the rules all or most of the time, and you think the world would be better off if everyone did the same. Now, I think that's a good statement. I've talked to a lot of ones in my coaching, and sometimes, you know, ones are not necessarily, they may not necessarily come across as what the rest of us think as rule followers. In other words, let's say you pull out the policy manual, you know, when the policy manual says, you know, this form needs to be filled out, and then this form, then that, and it needs to be, you know, laid on the desk of uh, person A, and then person B needs to stamp off and give approval. Okay. I think that there are there are ones out there that might look at these policies and say, that's outdated. That's not going to be productive. I need to go with what I believe is the right way to do this, even though the policies, you know, say something else. That is very one-like. And so if you hear a statement like that as a one, you might think, well, yeah, sometimes. I think it's much more six-like to like, I need to follow the policies. Because if you don't, you're going to get fired. And if you don't follow the policies, you don't follow the policy manual, you'll get you'll lose your job. Ones are a little more likely, I think, to trust that they know the right way this should be done. And those policies are outdated. And those are antiquated. And we need to move away from those. Now, but what I want you to see is that one will will want to enforce what they believe is correct. And they think others should do it the correct way. Ones, I, I think it's helpful to clarify this because what I've heard from ones is it's not that ones feel like I'm right and you're wrong as much as ones want to know what is right and then they want to align themselves on that side. So ones want to be correct. And then once they believe that that's the right, correct way of doing things, they want other people to do it that right, correct way. It's not like one's, the way I do it is the right way. No, I do it that way because it is the right way. I think eights are much more likely to be like, I don't care, I'm doing it my way and my way is the right way. Ones want to know what the right way is and then they want to jump on that and do it that correct way. So I think ones are much more concerned with being correct um, knowing what correct is, knowing what the proper way is, and then aligning themselves to it. And then now that I'm doing it this correct way, you would be wise to listen to me. You would be wise to do it this way, the correct way. So I've acknowledged it's correct and I've aligned myself with that correct way. I'm not fighting you because my way is the right way. Uh, the right way is the right way, and that's why it's my way, is because it is the right way. It's objectively, in their mind, the right way, and so they've submitted to that, and they want you to submit to that as well. Okay, wow. You think and talk in terms of shoulds and oughts and musts, uh, and duty becomes comes before pleasure. So what should we be doing? A good question, you know, that a one might ask us all, if you have a line to one like I do, or you have a wing that's a one, this is a good question for you to sit and ponder is, is this really what we need to be doing right now? You know, what should we be doing? Nines, you guys would benefit so much from just asking that question every day. Sevens, what a great question. 
Four is when you start to spiral down and all of your heavy-weighted emotional energy. Is this really what I need to be spending my time on? Sevens, do I really need to purchase this next electric guitar? Is this really what I need to be doing right now? Uh, leaving work early to go to the casino. Is this really how I should be spending my money? Is this the best? Twos, when you're picking up the homeless guy and you're trying to like save all the people out there in the world, is this really your job to be doing this? Is this really the right thing for you to be doing right now? Good question. Uh, ones are over-focused over-concerned about what ought to be done right now. And that's why they're a compliant type. Ones, twos, and sixes are all in the compliant group. And that might look a little bit confusing if you work with a one. You're like, wow, Bobby is not compliant. You know, Jack is not compliant. They're very rigid and they're very forceful and they're very demonstrative and what they think ought to be done right and they don't look very compliant well compliant here for ones refers to when a one wakes up think of them as looking around at what needs to be done and complying their energy to what needs to be done objectively like that gutter needs to be fixed the lawn needs to be mowed and the dog needs to be walked you know those things need to be done so i'm going to comply my energy to those jobs today that's what i'm going to be doing today how do I know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to comply my energy with what is broken, what needs repaired, and what needs attention. What must, ought, and should be done. So ones are complying their energy with what needs to be done today. Okay. And they're probably very confused when you're not. Realize how confusing it must be to be in the one's mind. Like, don't you guys hear this? inner critic don't you guys hear this parental voice in there telling you what you should be doing when they see us acting like fools when they see us weighed down in our whatever it is we're weighed down in you know ones have got to be scratching their head saying what is wrong with those people why don't they just get productive why don't they just get responsible that is not funny why do they think that's funny it's got to be very confusing when they look out at the world and they see that people are doing what doesn't need to be done today. Ones have to be very confused. Like, are you guys mad? Are you children? How can you just move into this free energy of doing whatever you feel like when look at all of this laundry? Look at all of these dishes. These forks are not in the right side of the drawer. What's wrong with you people? How can you go on with life? It's got to be very confusing to be in the mind of the one when they look out at the world around them, not being responsible, not doing what they should do. All right. I, I remember um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, right? Willy Wonka says, A little nonsense now and then is relished by the wisest man. It might be helpful for ones to push back a little bit. I'm not criticizing you because you can't criticize a one. But push back a little bit that maybe imperfect is perfect. Maybe good enough is really good enough. And maybe what ought to be done today is to take the day off and have a good time. Maybe if you really want to protect your marriage, you would not be so rigid and inflexible and you would go four-wheeling on the beach. Well, that's not what needs to be done today. Are you sure? 
Are you sure that's not what needs to be done? Have some fun with your kids. Just relax and be more playful. I guarantee you, they would appreciate it. They'll love you for it. But that's not what needs to be done today. Are you sure? Are you so sure? How is how is this that you know? Let me push on you a little bit. How is it that you know what needs to be done today? Where does this knowledge come from? Do you have some secret ability to tap into this knowledge that the rest of us don't have? Think about the people that are trying to relate to you. What would they say you need to do today? Would they say the most important thing is organizing the garage? They might say, why don't you come in and visit with us? Why don't you come in and play on the floor with your grandkids? Why don't you come in and laugh with us? Why don't you come in and enjoy the day with us? That's not what needs to be done today. What needs to be done today is that garage needs to be clean. It's not going to clean itself. And there you are at that unhealthy four place by yourself, alone, not a part of the group, feeling very judged and misunderstood because you're just trying to do the right thing. The Enneagram is painful, isn't it? It is. When you understand it appropriately, it scratches against you. You know what it does? It pushes against this mask that you're wearing. This self-protective mask that says, my right is the rightest right, and my good is the goodest good. And the Enneagram kind of pushes against that and says, are you sure about that? Who is this person underneath this mask? We'd all like to get to know you. If you could relax a little bit, those compulsions and impulses, we might find that there's a playful kid underneath this grown-up mask. And we'd love to meet him. Okay, wow. Okay. You place a high value on being good, responsible, and reliable person. You have high standards for yourself and others. Fantastic. Good, responsible, reliable person. You know what that tells me? Let me read that backwards. You tend to see other people as being not so good, not so responsible, and not so reliable. You have a disdain for anything that looks lazy or flippant or irresponsible like that really gets under your skin people that don't live up to your high standards great source of irritation to you you over control your emotions oh the line to four like i can't feel that i don't have time to feel that i've got to put that feeling away because right now mrs johnson needs her diaper changed and i've got to get in there and change mrs johnson's diaper who has time to feel anything so I've got to push back on my feelings because that's not what needs to be done right now. Um, but what if leaning into your feelings, what if that is what needs to be done right now? Remember, this is a seven telling you this. It's not my normal to want to lean into feelings. All right. Uh, you over control your emotions because you believe it's inappropriate and unproductive to express them or to act on them. It's inappropriate. It's unproductive to express them or to act on them. You over control your impulses for fun and pleasure. 
Like, I'm having too much fun. This needs to stop. Um, I'm enjoying the day too much. This needs to stop. This shenanigans, this horseplay, this, um, this goofiness, it needs to settle down. Settle down. Settle down and be responsible. Now, you don't know you're coming across like that, but that's how you're coming across. Settle down. Cut out the foolishness. All of this horseplay needs to stop. No running in the building, kids. Yes, we want kids. We want young people to be a part of our group. Stop all that horseplay. Stop bouncing those balls. Quit running in the building. But if you were to ask the ones, do you want young people to be involved? Oh, yes, we have a heart for young people. We really love young people. We really think the future is what's most important. We love and appreciate all of our young people. We were young once. And then when the young people show up, you need to get your kids under control. This is ridiculous. We've paid good money to make sure that this property and these kids are just running rampant. You have a two-wing. Let's lean into it. You have a line to seven. Come on. Lean into that. Move over there just a little bit. Try to remember what it was like when you were one of those kids running through the hallways. You know what? You didn't care. You just were running through the hallways because you weren't thinking about what do I need to be doing right now? You were just alive. You were alive. You were living. You were moving. You were breathing. And you were responding to this big, beautiful world out there. Oh my goodness. You over-control your impulses for fun and pleasure. You believe there is one right way to do everything, which happens to be your way, or you know, you've aligned yourself with that way. You have a strong opinion and you readily express them. I think that may be true for some ones, but probably other ones may not express those opinions so strongly. At least verbally, they'll express them on their face. Express them on your face, your frustration. You value the rare occasions on which something you do or see feels absolutely perfect and this inspires you to keep striving to make things as good as they possibly can be. And again, that's why we appreciate you guys so much. You make things right. You make things better. You clean it up. You organize it. And you you beat yourself up so harshly. I guess that's what I want to say. It's just you bring goodness into the world. Uh, you bring responsibility into the world. Um, but I don't think you realize how maybe harsh you are on yourself and sometimes us in order to make that reality. Um, in improving yourself, and in, and in improving the world around you, you might make it hard for us to relate to you. So when is good enough good enough? 
when is an imperfect world perfect the way it is, an imperfect relationship perfect the way it is, an imperfect vacation, an imperfect workplace, an imperfect school system, an imperfect hospital? When is, when is the time you're going to enjoy things as they are? Because it's hard to relate to somebody who's never happy, that doesn't enjoy life, that has a tendency to criticize, find what's wrong. You may find that people, like I said, just kind of detach and quit trying to ever measure up because it can feel impossible to measure up. The impulses that are working for you sometimes work against you. The, the, the hand that takes you and says, I promise to make your life better. Just follow me and do what I tell you. Be good. Be responsible. That hand sometimes can lead you down some pretty dark paths. To awaken to that and say... Maybe life is okay as it is. Maybe the people in my world are good enough the way they are. Maybe I should try to understand them. Maybe they'll learn on their own without me constantly pointing out their better way of doing things. This is, could begin the process of growth for you as a one. Remember, when one's are very healthy, what do they look like? Sevens. Playful, fun-loving, happy, and making others happy, joyful, and bringing joy into the world. Does that describe you? All right, guys. Be present to life. Don't miss what's right in front of you because you're frustrated with the three things that could be improved. Don't miss how good it really is already. And bring that goodness into the world. Bring that goodness and joy into the world. All right, guys. Love you much. I'll see you next time.